diving into data. Diving, diving, data. Diving into data with TC Riley. Hello, hello, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Diving Into Data. I am your host, TC Riley. How are we doing out there? You hanging in there? About to roll into October here, heading into the last quarter of the year. Exciting times. For those of you who listen to the show a lot, you're actually going to notice we're going to switch up the format a little bit. We typically have about the half hour episodes where we hit two or three topics. We're going to break it into segments. So this is going to be an individual segment you're listening to. And our segment today is called Predicting the Unpredictable. This is really talking about um, the emergence of AI and ML as we're coming out of this pandemic and what it looks like, as well as some of the, uh, again, as the title suggests, predicting things that are difficult to predict given the situation that many businesses are in and that the economy is in overall. So we're going to dive into predicting the unpredictable. So sit back, relax, grab a drink if you choose to do so. Let's dive into some data. Alrighty, so predicting the unpredictable, that's what we're talking about here today. As always, before I start, I have a couple great sources that helped me out with this. Um, the first is an, a study or review that came out from McKinsey called Business in 2020 and Beyond. Some great stuff I pulled from there. Also a Forbes article um, actually talking about that McKinsey study. Um, COVID-19 has revealed the Achilles heels of analytics. Um, heel of analytics, I should say. And then the last article, a PR Newswire article, um, Frost Sullivan released nine global trends generating growth ops from COVID. I'm going to touch on all those throughout this segment. But in predicting the unpredictable, there's really kind of two big ways that tie in. We're going to lead with the technological aspect and follow with the more business aspect. So the technological aspect is what is heating up? What are more and more companies turning to as we come out of the pandemic and everything is returning to normal? And that's specifically artificial intelligence and machine learning. If you listen to the show, you know we've talked about AI and ML a lot. Um, we've done a couple of pilots here at MarketScale that I'm really excited about that we're just dipping our toe into this and really getting started. But this is something that with the forced digital transformation of many companies, we're seeing an emergence of certain technologies and practices. And AI and ML particularly has come into focus for many as the next up opportunity. I also I think this coincides with the what I would call the overall value of data has increased to many companies. As things have gotten a little bit tighter, things have gotten a little bit more difficult in general um, over the last six months, give or take. A lot of companies have been more uh, willing to really turn to data and use it as their guiding light. It's not just necessarily something that is you know cool and flashy and oh yeah we do data because you know everyone does big data and flash words yada 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 no i think more companies are really really looking at it but ai and ml in particular is one that i think a lot of companies either have already dipped their toes into or it's next up on the radar it's it's very very quickly approaching um, for an initiative they really want to kick off internally uh, Frost Sullivan came out with a list of these nine biggest global trends generating growth opportunities from COVID. And the particular quote around AI obviously stuck out to me, and I think it absolutely resonates. And that is, pandemic preparedness will speed up the deployment of artificial intelligence solution and accelerate AI innovation. Beyond specific disease management, post-pandemic economies will also rely on AI and machine learning, ML, tools to expedite digital transformation across key business initiatives. So as we're talking about this again, it's, it's something that I've noticed in talking with clients, I've noticed from reading different things in kind of the data world and business world, but it's also listed as one of these trends. AI and ML is definitely coming. So uh, the, the natural logical question there is, are you ready? Uh, is your company really ready to take this step? Um, 
I fear that even though this is even more of a flash term than it has been, and frankly, AI has been a flash term for probably going on a decade now, it's a, ooh, AI, ML, ooh, um, but that doesn't really know, mean that people actually know what to expect out of this. They know that they like the general idea. They like using those letters. They've heard this is good. This They heard this can you know open up all these new opportunities to take advantage of the data you do have and draw new insights and guide your business into the future. But they also are thinking, well, okay, how do I do this? Um, AI and machine learning isn't necessarily something that it's, you know, installing Google Analytics and, okay, I've checked that box. I I can now say I'm doing this. No, it's something that takes a concerted effort and the right skill sets, the right tools. But I'm here to also remind you that AI and ML spans many, many levels. You don't necessarily need an expert to implement this. You don't need a massive analytics department and tons of people with tons of traditional um, educational experience, either building these models um, or even in some of the mathematical properties and components that you know kind of feed into AI and machine learning. There is a way to kind of start uh, at a low level. Not only are there lots of really cool platforms out there now that make AI and ML much more, we'll call it plug and play. Um, you don't really no code solutions, things like that, but. A lot of people also, when they think of AI and ML, I think they immediately go to, uh, you know, something that more frankly resembles Skynet than anything you're going to find in reality. It's okay. Well, every data point we have, we got to plug it into this, you know, one massive model that's just going to spit out this continuous uh, stream of uh, of results and analysis and uh, pointers and tips on where we should go next. And that's not how it works. It's not. It's not magic. It's not you know the Wizard of Oz hiding behind a curtain here. Um, so I have a couple tips and tricks that I think I've learned from our pilot. Um, I stuck to some of these. Frankly, I didn't stick to some of these as closely as I should have, but I absolutely will in the future. But I have four big kind of points that I think if you stick to these tips and tricks, it's going to be a lot easier for you to actually implement AI and machine learning, um, or at least get started effectively as you go down that path. So the first is set a defined simple goal. Your project, whatever your pilot project is in AI and ML, it should have a very simple focus goal. One of the easiest ways that you can derail AI or machine learning projects is trying to tackle too much on your first attempt, trying to think too big, you know, uh, cast too wide of a net. Make it achievable, make it clear, and make sure that it ties in also to the second point, which is work towards an impactful result. So, you know, okay, we'll define simple goal and impactful result. Do those go together? Yes, absolutely they can. Even though you want to make sure that you are keeping it straightforward and simple in terms of scope and breadth of this, it doesn't, it, that doesn't automatically mean you're going to have some watered down result. Work for something that has a measurable impact in your business. Ensure you're looking at a core competency of your business on something you can improve. Again, the best example I can give was our pilot in AI and ML here at MarketScale was all around video creation and video engagement. It's something that is very important to hear us here at MarketScale. We're really good at, frankly. And we always have opportunities to improve, but it's something that's critical to our business. And we didn't look at what makes a perfect video. We really were training this model around what is the right length of a video? What's the perfect length of a video to really get people to engage with it, to convert from it, to do those kind of things. So it was kind of, it was very specific, but it was also kind of simple. It's if we got nothing else out of this than the ideal duration of a video, which we did, by the way, in B2B, between 60 and 170 seconds should be your ideal time frame of a, any type of video you're creating for sales or marketing collateral with about 110 seconds. So just under two minutes is that peak optimal point. But 
again, it was something very relevant to our business that actually mattered. It's something that can guide our teams, especially our creative teams when they're producing this content, knowing that, hey, this is the golden window for duration that we should be aiming for. And even specifically, even more targeted, this is the peak optimal point. So it doesn't mean every video we make is going to be 110 seconds. Of course not. But it can guide our team towards working more and more towards that. Your efforts should always produce actionable results. If you're not going to uh, be able to find something from this, frankly, this effort isn't worth it. If you're not going to do something that's actually related to your business. But again, that's defined, simple, straightforward goal that also is going to actually impact your business. The other two are more of in practice things to keep in mind are other two points in AI and ML recommendations. The first being clean your data. I can't say it enough, so I'm going to say it one more time. Clean your data. And then once you've cleaned your data, go ahead and go back and clean your data again. Machine learning is an incredible tool and an incredible opportunity and an incredible uh, practice your business can implement. But it, it, it's only as good as the data inputs. It's as simple as that. No matter how good you have a team you have, no matter how good of a model you build, no matter how good of uh, maybe a software you purchase to do this, whatever it may be, it's only going to be as useful and as valuable as the data that's fed into the model because that's what it's learning from. That's what it's building upon. So make sure you take enough time to properly clean and refine your data before launch. And that doesn't just mean go in and delete out empty rows and cells and missing values. It means to really do, frankly, almost a separate full analysis on your data to understand outliers, understand issues. Uh, the famous one in the data community, if you ever follow folks in like LinkedIn and the data one that everyone likes to mention is go ahead. If you have a state field or, you know, some type of location, especially like state or country, Go ahead and look at how many unique values you have in that column. Uh, we've done things where I've seen stories of people looking at the state column. Obviously, there's 50 U.S. states. Everyone was in the U.S. in this data set, and they had over 1,500 different unique values because people put, again, just for Texas, they can put Texas, they can put TX, they can do a typo, they can you know miss the E and put TXAS, they can, they can do all types of stuff. And one of the things you have to ensure you do ahead of time is you have this really clean, concise data because otherwise, um, you know, uh, garbage in, garbage out type of situation, which you've heard me say here before. So I'll say it once again for those of you in the back. Clean your data. All right, last point we're going to mention, avoid scope creep. So this actually ties directly back in with that first goal. Again, a defined, simple goal. Something that I found, and again, this is something that learned from my mistakes. Um, I didn't do a good enough job managing our team on this because... Frankly, when you dive into AI machine learning, it's really invigorating and exciting. It was so cool that when our initial results started coming back from our first model, for me to look at it and say, like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, we, we, we had the clean data, we took the time to do it, we did it the right way. Um, we used Azure as our ML platform. That's what we did our first pilot on building upon. And as it started producing these results from this video analysis, it, it, you know, my, my, my mind starts spinning for all, all the other things we can do here. Again, I, I didn't set I set a defined simple goal. We looked at something simple, but I didn't stick to it. That was our issue here. And that's something I'm going to learn from and I'm going to be better about and our team's going to be better about moving forward. But you have to avoid scope creep. Analysis projects almost always tend to creep outside of their initial scope. It's just the nature of it because when you find something, it, it the scientific method almost encourages you to you know, dive down those rabbit holes. But make sure, especially as you're just starting out with this, Stick to the predefined goal and project scope. Just just focus on that. There will be more time for future projects. You can always build more models. You can always train more models. You can do a million things down the line. But what you have to do up front is you have to avoid that scope creep. 
All right, moving into the second half of this segment. So that was all about AI and ML. Um, and one of the other things that's really, really stuck out to me, and I've already kind of alluded to this in multiple shows, but I think it's worth circling back to, um, is why forecasting is so hard. Some of the prediction issues that we've had, something that a lot of businesses are dealing with that I actually haven't seen as much as I would anticipate out there. Um, but this was all spearheaded by a McKinsey little article or uh, almost like a think tank that the, uh, McKinsey put out about business in 2020 and beyond around prediction issues. Uh, this article also, I'd highly recommend you go check it out, um, this discussion. They also touched on the COVID reshed, on leadership, on a couple of other topics, but one thing in particular stuck out to me above all else. And this is from Kevin Sneeder, who's the McKinsey global managing partner. His quote is, the first piece of advice I'd offer a CEO is forecasts are out, dashboards are in. The notion that you can now forecast the economy, healthcare, and other aspects of what can disrupt life, I think, is gone. Now we're in an environment where we've also learned that what you really need to have a handle on are the metrics, insights, and what's actually happening on the ground, the dashboard of daily life. I could not agree more with this. For those of you who know me, I know there's a lot of, I've seen some articles out there, even from some reputable sources like HBR that I really trust and go to a lot that uh, dashboards are fading. They're not really actionable. I'm sorry, but I just could not disagree with that more. Um, and, and really the whole, I get back to the, you know, why this stuck out to me so much is the best piece of advice I'd give a CEO is forecaster out, dashboards are in. And why that really, really stands out to me right now is because we've seen this across a lot of businesses that we work with. Forecasting's hard if everything's perfect. Getting accurate business forecasts, it's something that we continuously strive to improve here at MarketScale is our internal forecasting. It helps obviously understand what investments we can make, what opportunities we're gonna have, what we need to do in terms of shifting production schedules, things like that. But forecasting can be really, really difficult even without a pandemic. What we're looking at is the an issue that data just simply has in that it requires accurate historical data for any predictive model to accurately predict the future. Um, hey, by the way, this is another reason it's so important to keep your clean data. So I'm gonna say it once again for you, clean your data. Anyway, back to uh, what we were talking about here in forecasting. What really, how do you adjust for a world of unknowns is what it comes down to. And the simple answer is you do your best. So this isn't saying we got to throw all forecasts away. Um, what you need, what I encourage folks out there listening to this to do is, yes, yeah, still run your forecasting model, still go with that um, historical model that has kind of helped predict. And usually we're talking about sales production, something along those lines, but it could be forecasting real, you know, for anything, for any business application. You can still do what you can. You just have to understand that anything you're doing now has an asterisk with it that is very difficult to control. Um, no matter how much good, you know, accurate, up to the minute data you have, there's going to be some level of uncertainty as you're looking down the road as to um, what the global economy is going to look like. There's a lot going on, not only with COVID, we're in an election year. There's there's a lot of external influences even beyond what we typically see, and that's one of the things I encourage you to do is control what you can control at the end of the day. So you do your forecast, you do what you can, but if you're a business leader, control what you can control. The biggest requirement is, uh, to me, of a business leader right now um, and what they can do is understanding data and being able to make informed decisions with any and all external factors that may be into play. You need leaders who are able to appreciate the data but also appreciate what the data can't show or the unpredictable elements of that data. Um, again, there's lots of good leaders that we work with here at market scale. We have a ton of clients who have these great leaders who are doing this, but I'm sure there's plenty of you out there who maybe 
don't, you know, have this as inherent to your business where you have leaders that really understand data and that's okay. Give them the opportunity to improve. Work with them if you're in a data role to help them understand what is really good, what is really bad, and what is really a question mark. Because it's okay that there are question marks. We got, we got to break free from this mindset that data is going to perfectly predict everything every time and can account for everything. And if you build a complex enough formula or model, it's going to take into account everything. No, there's still going to be things you can't control, and that's okay. So what you do there and what you can do to actually work on your business, even with this uncertainty, is use more real-time data. Use dashboards. Use things that show you exactly what is going on right now and identify ways you can optimize and improve your business based on production right now, things that are within your locus of control, things that you can actually make a difference with. Let the rest work itself out. Everyone's dealing with it, so don't stress about it too much. Control what you can control. Optimize what can be optimized. Adapt what can be adapted. Think about what is in your locus of control and make that happen. If you're a business leader and you follow that, the forecasting issues are all going to work themselves out. Everything's going to be okay in the long run. We all know that. But what you can do as a leader is control what you can control now. We appreciate you joining us for this segment of diving into data, of predicting the unpredictable. We're going to have another one coming out soon called Football Feeling the Pain for you sports fans, touching on some of the data around all the injuries the NFL has seen to start the season and what this unique season is going to do for the NFL draft in the future. So keep a lookout for that. But until next time, take care and see ya.